He's controversial. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. He's outspoken. You will tell your kids and your grandkids and your great, great grandkids. And he tells it like it is. That you watched a great athlete named the franchise. And he was the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. He is the franchise Shane Douglas. And you are listening to the Triple Threat Podcast. Prepare to get your ass franchised. like Greg the Hammer Valentine. He doesn't get warmed up for 35 minutes. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, let's get rolling into it then right here and right now. If you're all set and ready to go, and this is the, the oh, I was going to say the two-man power trip of wrestling. Sorry, Shane. <laughs> Reversing the schedule. This is the Triple Threat Podcast being brought to you today and powered on that illustrious two-man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner from the TMPT, the one and only JP, John Paz. And he's ready to go, whether they call him the 30-minute, the 60-minute, the 60-second, or the franchise. He is Shane Douglas, and we are so happy to have you back here again for episode number 83. Shane, what's good in PA? Hey, we almost had a mutiny. I don't know if you recorded that at the beginning. We almost had a mutiny here at the top of the uh, episode 83. So, uh... Time to reopen the salt mines and get everybody back on order here. But uh, Pennsylvania is great. I went to uh, went to my son's uh, concert tonight, and uh, he they had a really cool show. It was like a sort of like a dance uh, recital, like a story told through dance. Uh, my son plays guitar, of course, and just to sit and watch how you know at a high school level they put together this really incredibly well done with visuals and you know just uh the stage uh crew i, I mean I, I can't say enough for the the name of the school is lincoln park uh performing arts school uh the kids there for the show the ie show tonight did a phenomenal job so kudos to all them and it's a hell of a lot of entertainment for me oh that's awesome and, and it's really cool to hear not only that you know he's able to do that and perform especially in that kind of environment but anytime anybody gets a skill like being able to play the guitar, and I know you, you know, you have a large interest in music, that's got to be really gratifying to see yeah. him uh, taking to something and uh, and doing so well with this. Well, you know, taking Dominic there tonight. You know, Dominic has—it's been a few years since Dominic's been in school. So, like, to, for him to go in there and understand that, you know, it's a world-class uh, facility. Uh, I was originally started by Henry Mancini, uh, Rhapsody in Blue, and you know ton of Grammy-winning songs back in the day. Uh, but he started it for that, and, and you know, this coal mining, uh, steel-making area in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Beaver County. And just at the time, it just didn't really make sense in the overall scheme of things. But again, to see these kids, when they do these shows, they, the, the musicianship of the, uh, of the uh, musicians, uh, the, uh, the, the voices of the singers... Phenomenal. Uh, the stage crew, you know, uh, phenomenal. And the building itself is a literal world-class. They have, and I can't remember the exact number, but they have, other than Carnegie Hall in New York City, they have the lar- they're their largest single uh, repository of, uh, uh, what's the grand piano's called? Uh, the, 
Steinways. Uh, the largest repository of Steinway grand pianos outside of Carnegie Hall in uh, New York City. They have, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, they have one room where they, like a smaller room where they do shows, well, maybe, I don't know, two, three hundred people. It's all windowed. But when they have a show, they push a button and the, and the windows turn black, completely blackens out the room. It's a world-class facility. And those kids that want to go into the arts and theater and music, and uh, I think they also have photography and some healthcare stuff down there. It is an incredible opportunity uh, for kids uh, from around the, not just the Beaver County area. They, I mean, there are some kids that travel uh, hour, hour and a half each way uh, to get to school there. And what it, the opportunities that it gives the students to go there, the kids to go there, is A, you're not just betrothed into this school because this is where you live. Uh, you can, if you have a dream to pursue some, excuse me, in the arts and entertainment, and they have an, a complete wide-ranging uh, uh, syllabus of things that they offer, programs that they offer. Uh, it's really cool to sit there and watch. You know, you know, aside from being a proud father listening to his son play some pretty kick-ass guitar, uh you know, his friend Marcus plays an incredible drummer. Uh, but to, to just see this whole production, you know, is really pretty damn cool. And, uh, you know, so that's that's how I spent my Thursday night. And while we're late recording 83 right now, but, you know, I got to spend with Dominic and show Dominic uh, uh, my son's school and, and got a great show. And again, kudos to all the kids that were involved. With great production tonight. Oh, that's so awesome. And now do you think that your son's going to kind of, uh, he's going to follow in the uh, the family footsteps of the entertainment business, or is he going to pursue more of that musical uh, career post, uh, you know, education once he gets past the uh, the hard stuff? Well, he started the WWE Performance Center next week. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> hell he is. <laughs> no, he's, yeah, he's. You know, he, uh, you know, just a little quick background, not to be the, the, the brag of the father or anything, but when he was like two years old, I had him, uh, you know, I had a Lincoln Navigator at the time, and he's sitting in the car seat behind me, and there was always music going in the car. And we're stopped at a stop sign, a red light stop sign, something, and I I see his head moving in the rear view mirror, so I stop and I look, and it took me a second to realize that his head, his hand, and his foot we're all beating in, tune, in sync with the beat of the song that was on the radio. And I thought, okay, this luck, right? You know, so I kept a close eye on it after that. He was just born with that musical brain. And uh, he's always gotten music. He's always had an affinity for it. And when he was about six years old, wanted to start playing guitar. And, you know, I went and bought him a cheap guitar thing. And this is going to be about two weeks. And we'll be collecting dust. And it's, it was like a security blanket for him almost. Like when he would get stressed or, you know, down or whatever, he'd get there playing his guitar. And uh, over the years, we, you know, his mother and I have slowly upgraded his equipment. And, uh, you know, then he had this opportunity from seventh grade on to go to this performing arts school. And he's taken it. And he, he really has. He's been accepted now to uh, Point Park College. Uh, he'll be going in the fall for music and entertainment management so he'll be learning the business side of the business at the same time he'll still be able to pursue his music so uh pretty pretty cool opportunity that was never available like whenever i was a kid at his age so uh i just you know i can't sing the praises enough of what lincoln park is offering these kids and uh getting them started i've known a, a bunch of uh, students young women and men uh, that have, you know, some have gone into dance and, and now we're on Broadway, uh, you know, working in different places around the country. Uh, just some really cool opportunities, and it really gives them a lot of uh, a lot of connections. To give an example, uh, my son got a great scholarship uh, for having just attended Lincoln Park. Uh, it's, it's got that kind of a reputation in the area. So, um you know, just pretty damn cool to see your kid, you know, pursuing a dream and setting up his life, uh, you know, and, and, and doing what he needs to do to, to get that all started. It's, uh, you know, couldn't be prouder. That's awesome. And you have the floor to say whatever you want every single week to be the doting dad 
that we know that you are. I mean, that it's one of the best things about when we don't record on time. I love the fact that you're always doing something with your kids. I mean, you're just as you're an active dad. I love that. Uh, it's something as as active dad myself. I take a lot of pride in, in what you do and seeing what you do. So, anytime you want to brag, you always it's your show. <laughs> you do what you want. Well, you know, you know, keep keep in mind that like, it's it's tough to squeeze all the stuff in with my kids, with all the women that I date and all the uh, the, the, the nightlife that I live and. <laughs> as if, uh, no, I, I, honestly, my my entire world uh, outside of my work uh, revolves around my kids, and I I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, you know, to go see my son, my younger son, uh, who's more the athlete. My older son was a great athlete, but he several years ago, you know, <clears throat> switched tracks from athletics into the music and has focused solely on that. My younger son is uh, a much better athlete than I was at that age, and. Like <clears throat> Dominic loved one to watch him playing basketball, playing baseball, uh, hockey. I uh, loved going to that stuff, as do I. <clears throat> and, you know, the same thing for him, as I said with Connor, to see him, you know, going out and pursuing those things that make him happy, the things that that uh, that young man, that individual enjoys, is really, you know, equally cool to see, you know, with what I'm seeing Connor do with his life. And, uh, you know, but for me, it's just, it's how I roll, man. It's what I do. I, I, I really love spending time with my boys and Marvel at them setting their lives up. So good. But Hey, I'll tell you what, we got a date for you. I got a hot date for you. <laughs> how about that? You want the hot, oh, you want the hot date? How about this? <laughs> April 7th. You got, you got yourself a hot date chain. What's her name? Her, her name is the. Mar- her. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Markout at the Meadowlands convention at the Meadowlands Plaza Hotel in Secaucus, New Jersey, the morning of WrestleMania. Now, Shane, this is our other convention that we've got running. So we've got TMPT Con 3, which we talked about last uh-huh. week. But the day of WrestleMania, yep. the only crew that's got the guts to run a show on the morning of WrestleMania from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You have officially been added to the lineup of Markout at the Meadowlands alongside your fellow ECW World Championship alumni, Jerry Lynn. So you are joining a cast of characters. Nice. Yeah. about I mean, listen to the cast that's going to be there. Jim Ross, Tully Blanchard, Stan Hansen, Tito Santana, Danny Spivey, Scott Putsky, Butch Reed, Bob Roop, King Kong Bundy, Scott Casey, Val Venus. Yeah. Brutus Beefcake. The Tonga Kid, so many more. Greg the Hammer Valentine, Terry Runnels. I mean, J.J. Dillon. I can keep going down the list, but that's what you got on your plate on April 7th. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen – I can't remember the last time I saw Bob Uh You know, what a great idea. You know, it's a, you know to, to have – you know, that going on with, as, as you know, we all know, right? I mean, anytime there's WrestleMania, there's WrestleCon, you have all these things that are going on, and all these wrestling notables, right? Uh, legends and icons and notables from the wrestling industry. You know, for us, it's like a family reunion because, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before on the show, but, you know, when we were on the road whenever I was younger, they, it was literally like you were living with these people. You traveled, you worked together, worked out together, uh, roomed together, uh, ate together. Uh, there was nothing. You know, <laughs> a few other things that we'll, we'll say, we'll, we'll just say uh, together. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, so that, like to see these guys uh, in that kind of a setting with them, you know, walk around, say hello, catch up. Uh, you know, for us, that's it really is like a family reunion. And, some of these guys you, know, you see quite often throughout the course of the year, and other guys like Bob, uh, you know, you haven't seen in 15, 20 years, if not longer. Uh, you know, so looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. But everybody's going to be in the area. I hope they uh, swing by and, and and say hello to everybody and get a chance to meet, you know, all those guys you just mentioned. And, and uh, we'll make it a hell of an entertaining time. Maybe we'll do a, a live podcast from there. There's going to be a lot of time to figure that out because this is going to be an amazing day. 
Mark out at the Meadowlands. It's matmcon.com for all the information. Uh, the Meadowlands Hotel, obviously, that is not far from MetLife Stadium. So people who are traveling in for WrestleMania, whether you're parking your car there, whether you're staying there, it's going to be a happening, to say the least. It's only from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., so you got your time. If you didn't make it to WrestleCon or WrestleCon was too much of a up-and-down kind of thing, we've got Mark out at the Meadowlands all set and ready for, uh, for a lot of fun. So we will uh, hopefully see you there. We don't want to confuse everybody because we do have TMPT Con 3 the next month, but Mark out at the Meadowlands April 7th, the day of WrestleMania, the morning of it, actually. Get your tickets now. MATMCon.com. We'll circle back to that later on in the show. Before we get into the rundown for today, got a birthday in the uh, the triple threat family, so to speak, extended family, Shane. Your uh, former tag team partner, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, celebrating a birthday today. There's a lot of love for the steamer on Twitter today. Uh, I, I was as busy as I was today. I didn't get a chance to get on there, but... Uh... I did see him briefly uh, on a certain show that I was watching the other night, and ooh, we won't get into that, but it was great. He looks great as always, right? I mean, Ricky Steamboat's one of those guys that just doesn't age, uh, but happy birthday to the Dragon, man. Thank you for everything you taught me. Thank you for your friendship. Uh, look forward to seeing him soon. Now, is it me, or do I picture Ricky Steamboat air-chopping the candles out to blow them out instead of just traditional... <laughs> <laughs> Air chopping that and then giving that beautiful steamboat arm drag to the, to the pillow before he goes to bed. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, still in the great. I mean, you know, it pisses me off every time I see him. I mean, he, no wrinkles, a uh, little bit of gray hair on the side. Still's got that little teeny tiny waist he's always had. Really pisses me off. I'm keto dieting my ass off to try to try to get my weight down. And there's Ricky that looks like if he puts a black. Uh, hair dye and he looked like he did 25, 30 years ago. John and I were at a show, and it was a Ring of Honor show, 2004, and it was the first time that Ricky Steamboat had done a, any, really, and John, this is where you got to step in because you're the ROH uh, expert, especially that era. The first time Ricky Steamboat really did any physical activity, basically since he retired. And to see what he did, I saw the clip pass by on one of the social medias this past week, John. What was it, 2004? Unbelievable response that the steamer pulled the arm drags out of nowhere and the place went absolutely apeshit. Yes, <laughs> in in New Jersey, of course. Uh, that was awesome, awesome um, show. And, and Steamboat was the referee originally and then obviously beat up CM Punk afterward. Literally one of the best pops and loudest pops I've ever heard for the chop and, you know, and then the little stance afterwards. It was awesome. Pretty epic moment especially at that point in ROH, and especially since Steamboat hadn't done anything physical, you're right, in a ring in a very, very long time. Yeah, he, he's just, he's one of the few handful of guys that just got it. You know, he understood what selling was. He understood what a baby face was. He understood, you know, what heat was and, and just seamlessly worked those together into to see him, you know, what a profound impact he had on me and, and, and the franchise character that would come later. Uh, because I would watch him when we were working with, say, like Brian and Steve, for instance. He would get a cup of coffee, put a chew in, and then he'd go off and just wander, mosey around the dressing room in the backstage area and, you know, not talking to anybody, just sort of walk around and you could see the wheels turning. And after, I don't know, 30, 40, 45 minutes, he'd come and say, yeah, I got it. They'd bring us some sit us down and he would lay out every night, lay out a different idea. It wasn't like we did the same match tonight, tomorrow, the next night. It was uh, something different every night with, uh, with the dragon. And, you know, he just, uh, he, 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 it was almost like a science to him. And, and that bled off, you know, like, uh, and I reiterate, you know, tons of what I would tell I do a seminar, talk to young kids, uh, give kids feedback on their matches a great quantity of what I'm telling them comes directly through me from Ricky Steamboat. Uh, and, you know, one of the things about Ricky that was, you know, just he drilled home on a nightly basis was that the segues, you know, everybody that's ever graduated from wrestling school knows how to do a spot. Uh, they know how to do the moves, hopefully. Um, but what separates that great big set of moves or spot that you just did 
and then the next great big spot set of moves that you're going to do in a few minutes. How do you connect those two? And, you know, if it doesn't make sense, then, you know, all you're doing, you're just pissing in the wind. You're just going out and doing a, an acrobatics display. You're just going out and, and displaying moves and wrestling with all due respect to everybody listening, whether they like it or not. Wrestling is not just a whole lot of moves. It's, it's a story being told. It's, doing those moves and going in and out of the heat, uh, selling for the baby face in and out of that heat, uh, getting the heat for the heel. And then how do you get from that first set of moves to the second set of moves? It's not just, okay, well, let's just sit there and stick our thumbs up our asses and now, okay, you rest it up. Okay, you ready for that next big set of moves? Uh, you've got to make that uh, spot A segue into spot B seamlessly and making sense, telling that story segue into spot three, spot four, spot five, however many spots there's going to be in that particular match. Uh, but it's not just, let's go out and regurgitate every move we know. And when we get tired or run out, we'll just start over at the beginning again. Uh, you know, it's, uh, that all comes from Steamboat. He, he genuinely made it into a science and one that was easily digestible. You know, so once you knew how to do the moves, if you follow the steamboat model, the steamboat method, you were pretty likely to get over. Uh, you know, whether it was a heel or baby face, it was telling that story. And that, you know, steamboat was a master at teaching that and obviously a master in the ring. He is. Happy birthday to the steamer. I'm taking liberties by saying he's an extended member of this triple threat universe, just so I could say I'm in the same universe here with the dragon. So. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> related to the. Bring it a dragon steamboat. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of pros and speaking of guys that do it uh, the, the same way they've always done, you could say what you want. Hey, Ricky Steamboat, yeah, he looks great. He he's still uh, he's still the dragon. Look, but I saw a clip of somebody who is still the franchise from over the weekend, and I shared it on our Triple Threat Twitter page. And uh, man, when are the when are the the promoters? When are the 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 quote good guys in the business going to know? When you hand the franchise a microphone, bad things are going to happen. And in one false swoop, in about a 45-second clip, you eviscerated Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan. You beat them all. <laughs> it was great just to share that. And I'm sure you were back in the row. You were down in Orlando. It's always good stepping between the ropes. But like I said, it's bad things when the franchise gets a microphone. Uh, you know what, uh, to answer everybody's question that everybody's thinking about as they ponder that and look at that clip, yes, I used to kiss my mother with that mouth. Uh, that is, uh, uh, where do you think I learned to cuss like that? I was a world flight, not half hey, I'm teasing, mom, love you. Uh, but no, that, that's, uh, you know, for me, I, that is, uh, I, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, one of the things that I think is desperately missing from our business today, uh, you know, you go into the WWE dressing room, TNA dressing room, Ring of Honor dressing room, whatever independent show you want to go into, some number of those kids know how to do a promo. Let them do it. And they'll make mistakes. I've made plenty, still make them. Uh, but as they're making them, that's going to refine them and make them better. I, I don't know if anybody that likes to make the same mistake over and over and over again, especially in this business. Um, but you know, as we've talked about before, when you put a teleprompter in front of somebody, uh, A, it, negates, it cuts them off completely from their character, from forcing them to learn their character, because it's just the script I'm reading. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I'm just regurgitating the words that you've written for me, because that's what I'm supposed to say tonight. Uh, secondly, it, it, it wipes out all semblance of spontaneity. And like I said, after that particular show that I watched the other night, the, uh, the acting, and this is, this is a quote from my 13 year old son. Caden said to me, dad, it looks like I'm watching a middle school play. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and again, I, I couldn't disagree with them. You know, it was, you know, Dominic and I were laughing as he was saying it because it was so spot on. But again, I don't put that blame on the kids. I put that on the blame of the people who are in the company that are putting these teleprompters up and telling these kids to 
execute these inane, senseless, go-nowhere-and-tell-no-story vignettes or segments in the backstage area or whatever. It was, it was putrid. It was putrid. Um, and again, I say that with all due respect to the kids uh, and thankful to God that I was in the industry when I was in the industry, getting the opportunity to work with the people that I worked with and learn from those people as opposed to today. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, without beating the dead horse, it's not too late already. I, I, awful. That if I were a 13 year old kid like my son today, I can guarantee you I would not be watching that show. There's nothing there that interests me from the, the things that, uh, that draw my attention. There was nothing on that show that would draw my attention then and certainly not now. I can't even imagine, you know, what Dominic's point of view is just from how far it's come from when Dominic was wrestling. I mean, you, it's one thing. You're still in yeah. the, you're still in the mix, but I mean, for somebody like Dominic, I mean, forget about it. It's, it's a different, it's not even the same business. I mean, it's complete, maybe the basic foundation is the same and the quote template may be the same, but from what Dominic had, it's a complete different business, but it also brings into what we talked about last week is what I kind of wanted to bring back this week is that reading the comments about people's reaction to what you were saying about the Pedros and the Dominics and, and even when Bruno was exiled and Ivan Koloff and the people that are, you know, quote, written out of the universe of, of WWE, the ones that are just cast away. It's funny to see the, the, the comments of people who are absolutely 100% behind what you're saying, but then the people who go the other way, you know, basically if you're not in the, the WWE fold, like, oh, you're bitter you know, oh, he's, you know, he's just pissed because, you know, he never got a run with the WWE Championship. Like, they think that matters. Like, they, they obviously don't get that whole aspect of it. But I just, I love to, I love to see that you're such a conduit to the traditional side of things. And, you know, you, you maintain your, your time in the business for nearly 40 years. But it just begs the question, do you laugh at it? You know, do you just see what these, these I people do. say? Look, I, I've said throughout my career, talk good about me, talk bad about me, just talk about me. Uh, you know, look, it, it's uh, you're not going to change somebody's mind regardless of where they, where they fall. You can pretty much tell from their comments where their mindset is. Uh, I, the one thing I don't need and never needed is anybody to blow smoke up my ass. <laughs> so you want to go on there and take the time to say I'm the biggest piece of shit on the planet? Have at it. Feel free, uh, but the most notable thing is they know who I am, <laughs> or they wouldn't be taking the time to write those comments. Uh, look, I I stand behind everything I've ever said. Uh, I don't shy away or say, "Oh, I didn't mean to say that," or "It was supposed to be this," uh, or maybe it wasn't politically correct. Uh, <laughs> as if I ever give a flying fuck about that. Um, comments that I make on the business are based on several things. A, it's based on where I came from in the business. That means as a kid growing up, watching it and loving it, uh, then being sucked into it uh, because I had such an affinity for it, and then having the opportunity to work with all those incredible people and legends that I got to work with and learn from. Uh, so... You know, again, somebody, everybody's entitled to an opinion, uh, but when it comes to the test of veracity and the test of legitimacy, uh, mine are uh, because of where I've been and what I've done. And for somebody who's never had the cojones to, to go out and get a pair of boots and, and make their attempt in the business, you're a bystander. You're a spectator. Uh, who, who's got a better grasp on the Super Bowl? Tom Brady or some fan who loves or hates Tom Brady? Um, so, you know, mine comes from experience level. Somebody who's been there, who's done it. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying that anybody should have to agree with me just because of that. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But, you know, what does, uh, you know, when I'll, I'll take the occasional time to, to read through something like that. 
you know, yes, if I, if I if it makes me chuckle, but pisses me off, whatever. No, it, it certainly doesn't piss me off. It it sometimes elicits a chuckle, um, but like I, I'm more uh, uh, quizzical. You know, like what's making this person say this? So like if if somebody gives me an opinion that's completely opposite, diametrically opposite to mine, but they say it in a way that tells me that they have some inkling. Uh, of what they're talking about, then that intrigues me. You know, like I, I'm listening, like my wheels turning and trying to think of like, why is, why, where is this person coming from? What's their point of view? But when somebody comes on, just all oh, you suck, you're bitter. Look, if, if I were bitter, I would have gone back to the WWE one of the four times that he's called me since I left there in 95. And I didn't. Uh, why didn't I? Because I chose not to. Uh, for better or for worse, my le- my legacy is written in stone. Uh, could it have been bigger? Could it have been smaller? Absolutely, both ways. Uh, but the fact that pretty much any wrestling fan on the planet knows who the franchise character is, uh, that tells me that I did something right with that character. Um, that I was I perfect with that character? Could I've done things differently? Name any human being walking the planet today that can't say, well, I wish I'd done this or that differently whenever I was 20 years old. Um, but again, my legacy is written in stone. I couldn't change it if I wanted to. Uh, so, you know, if you want, if some fan wants to get on there and drivel off at the mouth and call me every name in the book, have at it. Have at it. It's America, or still is at least, I, I think. Uh, that you're entitled to your opinion. And but the only thing I would say is at least get creative with your words uh, and, and at least try to be accurate. You know, it's, uh, I guess that's the old teacher in me coming out. You know, don't, don't spout off about something and just, you know, just spew venom uh, in an ill-guided way. So, you know, if you want to criticize me, again, have at it feel free uh but don't don't do it in a way that makes yourself look like an idiot you know if you're going to sit there and you know say i I never had a run well i i think some fans would probably disagree with you about never had a run i uh you know like i said i'm I'm pretty well known around the world of wrestling um you know i i've charted my own path throughout my career and did things my way. Uh, you know, if I was going to kiss Vince's ass, uh, would that have made a difference? Possibly. I'm not the ass kissing type, uh, nor do I expect anybody to kiss my ass. Uh, when I was asked to do or try to be told to do something that I disagreed with, I never did. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a lot of ways you can look at this in and out. But I stand behind my career. I stand behind the things I've done in my career. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. So has every other person you've ever watched on in a wrestling ring. But I stand behind the things that I've said and can explain them out if anybody ever wants to have that discussion. Uh, But as far as getting upset, if somebody's talking shit about me, not at all. Just like I don't revel in the fact that people that, that love the franchise character um, when I wake up in the morning, there's a, I, I've got a, a real world day ahead of me, uh, with my kids, uh, tending to my life, uh, tending to the uh, opportunities that I'm working on, things like that, that are, uh, that, that have me focused. I can't be worried about what some fan is saying online. And to be quite honest with you, as you can see from my Twitter account, I haven't had, haven't even had time to be on to pay attention to 99.9% of that stuff. So uh, talk good about me, talk bad about me, just talk about me. It's just always great to see the the difference in the eras, the fans that obviously haven't seen you and the, the more newer fans because they're just tied into whatever the WWE produces and tells them they were never watching the old territories, they were never watching the old promotions, they're not students of the game. They're just seeing what's in front of them, and that's all they know, and that's all who they know. But have you ever had an instance where there was a direct run-in? Not like not necessarily a fan, 
you know, on the over the guardrails yelling something at you, but more outside the ring, you know, saying something just just outright disrespectful, you know, and really stepping over that line with you uh, in person and saying something like that, like you know, oh, you're, Shane, you're bitter just because of blah blah blah. Have you ever had a fan do that to you directly? No, oh, no, the, the fans that I meet, you know, there's uh, fans you can tell are more tepid than others. Uh, again, it's their their choice, their taste, uh, their their opinion. Um, but no, I've never had anybody uh, be in my face. Uh, for, first of all, it's, it's not something I probably tolerate. Um, you know, it's uh, it's my experience with fans regardless of where you go in the world, that the fans, if they've spent their time and money to come to a convention, a show, uh, signing, that they're there because they, they love the business. And the vast, vast, vast majority of fans uh, are respectful um, and genuinely excited to be meeting the people that they want to meet at those conventions and those signings. Uh you know, anybody that's ever come to talk to me knows that, you know, I, uh, I need to keep myself engaged. I gets awfully boring to sit there and sign a picture and take a picture and sign a picture and take a picture. Uh, to me, I like to, to converse with them, you know, what, you know, where you're from, what's your name? Uh, you know, what's your favorite era that you're know, just whatever, just bullshitting about the business. Because, you know, obviously having been in the business as long, I, I love the wrestling industry. And, uh, you know, I, I love to have back and forth with people. Again, that doesn't mean we have to come up and agree on everything. But I generally love getting the pulse of the people, you know, hearing what they have to say. What, what is it they like about uh, the industry? What is it they dislike about the industry? Let's face it. I think there's exponentially more that dislike the industry as sits right now uh, than did, say, 20 or 25 years ago. Uh, and that's just borne out, you know, sometimes, you know, you may hurt somebody soon, let them know that, you know, that there are things called facts uh, that are irrefutable. And when you look at the viewership of wrestling 20, 25 years ago uh, to now, you know, I, I the instant comeback there, and I'll fill in the blank for them, that a fan would say, well, the ratings are down every place. You know, the sitcoms don't get the ratings. Easy. You're right, but they're not down 97% and, and growing um, or declining, whichever your perspective. You know, so no matter which way you slice it, no matter how much you try to butter it up, that you love sports entertainment, you cannot compare sports entertainment to professional wrestling. Uh you know, it's not just the TV ratings. Look at the the house show attendances. Look at, you know, go back and look at the, the runs that Bruno San Martino had in Dominic's generation. You know, when they were traveling city to city to city to city, pretty much seven nights a week, and selling Buffalo out, selling Philadelphia out, selling Washington out, selling Baltimore out, selling Pittsburgh out, selling New York City out. Uh, Boston, you know, just go right down the list. These were, it's just a, it's just a fact. You, again, you can't refute. Uh, the industry, as far as a draw, was much stronger back then. But, you know, you've got to give kudos to Vince that he's figured out a way to monetize the industry with an ever-decreasing fan base. Uh, you know, it would seem to me that there's a, that there's a, finite aspect to that how long you'll be able to do that um those guys uh came into a thriving business spent their careers in a thriving business and when they left the business was thriving um pretty hard to argue that today if you know anything about the numbers if you know anything about the history of the business and it's that was then this is now and there's a huge difference and discrepancy in the numbers from then to now yeah, we've talked about this several times in the show as far as the WWE Hall of Fame, but let's take a different angle at it. And let's talk about the induction of D-Generation X, but not necessarily, let's talk about the X again and all that other nonsense, but 
more part of China who will be going into the Hall of Fame. And I'm just kind of curious, have you ever had any sort of interaction with China? Did you know her at all? Like, What's kind of some history with China? Because that's somebody we have never talked about before on the show. Yeah, I, I knew uh, uh, Joni, uh, to, to say hello. I mean, we were, you know, we, we met several times. You know, uh, you know, obviously we were there at, at the same times uh, with overlap. Um, I never had any kind of, I never worked with her. I uh, never had any real close interaction with her. But she, every time I ever met her, she always struck me as being a, a genuinely nice person. Um, she, you know, there, there are some people in our business uh, that, you know, that believe that they've hit the, the, the apex of the business or on the top of the card. And so they get an attitude that goes along with that is if there's nothing else they can learn, uh, they, they're better than you or above you, whatever. I never got that from Joni. Uh, she always had a smile on her face, even when she was intense. Uh, and she was an intense person from what I could see in the, in those times that I met her, uh, as she was preparing, you could tell that she was, you know, going over in her head, like she was, you know, running it through. She seemed to me, again, in those handful of times that I met her and, and, and interacted with her, uh, to be somebody that genuinely cared about her craft uh, and learning her craft. And she always was a very personable person. Um, she was never an asshole around me. Uh, and I never heard stories of her doing that. So, you know, uh, Look, as you've been when you've been in the business as long as I've been in the business, and you've seen the sheer number of people uh, leave this planet way, way before their time, and you know, and, and you know, we look. I can already hear people. Yeah, but she this and she that. You know, okay. He is who that he is without sin. Be the first to cast first stone. Uh, I certainly have no room to cast that first stone. Um, but, you know, it, it's, to me, it, it, it's a bittersweet uh, aspect to it, you know, because, uh, I mean, it's face it, China had a huge impact on the business. Uh, the, you know, one first woman working with men in men's division, uh, really preceding a lot of what we're seeing today. I just saw... Uh, something online today of, uh, of some young lady that just signed a uh, uh, letter of intent to play college football for a man's uh, for for a male team, uh, which is incredible. You know I, I, that it really is just a, a you know jaw dropping when you when you fathom that, and you look back and realize that Joni was doing that, uh, working in a man's world literally. Uh, what, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and and doing it in a way that she left an impact. She wasn't just some lady they put out there and, you know, just, you know, was given it. You know, she made an impact. She had, a, she put a, uh, an imprint and a stamp on the WWE product at that time. And so she certainly deserves, I, in my book, to be in the Hall of Fame. It's just bittersweet to me that she's not here to be able to enjoy it. You know, that's to me one of those things that, uh, you know, I know Bruno's differences with the WWE and they ran deep. Um, and, you know, had a lot of legitimate aspect to them. But in the end, when he finally consigned uh, to being inducted, consigned himself to being inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, and, and I don't want to put words in Bruno's mouth. Uh, he never told me this, but it seems to me that the living legend knew he was getting older. And, you know, you start getting into your 80s, uh, you know, if, if you make it to your 80s, uh, you know, there, there's no real guarantee you're going to even see, be here tomorrow. And I, I think that Bruno wanted to be able to enjoy part of that. And I'm so thankful that Bruno did get to uh, enjoy that spotlight and, you know, he certainly earned it and, and, and certainly was due that. Uh, but it, like when somebody like Joni comes around, somebody that's, that I, in my book left way, way too early, uh, you know, and punching the clock, 
and that she's not here to be able to enjoy that, uh, to soak up, you know, some of that love from the fans that, uh, that I'm sure that, you know, will be there when she's abducted, uh, but certainly, uh, deserved and just sad to see that she's not here to be able to enjoy it. For years, even Triple H has said it, oh, she'll never go in the Hall of Fame because if you Google her, you'll see her drug past, that she was in adult films, you know, her reality TV past where she was, you know, acting a little bit shady. So it's just funny that, it, you know, things like that change. But it's weird that he kind of went on the, you know, def- uh, the offensive, so to speak, or maybe the defensive when making those remarks because the only real reason him and Stephanie are together because he cheated on China with Stephanie and then they ended up together. So is that kind of a little interesting little web we're weaving here with uh, China and the WWE Hall of Fame? Well, again, it's one of those things with, you know, where are you willing to stand behind everything you've ever said? And, you know, I, I find that interesting. And again, this is just my outsider's view of the company, obviously. But, you know, how many of their... Uh, Women wrestlers have been in Playboy, on the front cover of Playboy. Uh, you know, how many of them have done, you know, again, I'm not casting any stones at anybody. I'm just, you know, if you're going to sit there and say, well, you know, you're never going to be in the Hall of Fame because, and fill in the blank, with a company that we've seen uh, an 85-year-old woman having an abortion, um, you know, some pretty damn shady shit. And, you know, it's hard to like we're, you know, we're all attending Cambridge and we're all looking down at you peons that go to community college because we go to Cambridge. Uh, this is the WWE. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's hardly the highbrow taste. And to sit there and make the, the, the comment that somebody else did something that you either agree or disagree with, that somehow precludes them or exempts them from uh, from being in the Hall of Fame, and let's face it, if you play in the NFL and you've thrown for 50,000 yards and won two, three, four, five Super Bowls, uh, I don't think the NFL is going to say, hey, you know what? You, you did the cover of that magazine and you didn't have any, you were naked. Uh, or you were in that movie and it was sort of tasteless. Uh, come on. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is 2019. I don't know if anybody's paid attention, but it seems like morality seems to be a thing that's pretty far out the window. Um, you know, to, to try to make those sweeping judgments, uh, you know, it's just comical to me. But, you know, again, we know that he's in a position of authority there. The fact that she is going in, uh, clearly he must have had a hand in that. So, you know, the, kudos to him that he, you know, was able to put whatever heat there was between them behind them. Uh, because again, this is, you know, it's not a popularity contest. It's not like, Hey, you sold more albums. And so you get to go in because of that, or you sold less. And so you don't, uh, this is to me, the hall of fame in any industry in any sport should be based around the fact of, were you an impact player? Were you the type of player that, set some kind of records, uh, whether it's winning the Super Bowl if, if you're in football, uh, a title in wrestling, uh, attendance ship, buy rates on pay-per-views, things like that. Uh, if, you, if you're somebody that's had an impact in our industry then it, and, and done so for a long period of time, and then like in Joni's case, again, get back to the history aspect of it, having done something that nobody had ever done prior to that. <clears throat> and you know, a, a woman stepping into a man's world, <coughs> testosterone-laden world, right? Uh, did it and did it successfully. Uh, I would call that a, uh, you know, somebody who's made an impact on the industry. So, you know, this is not something she's being given. She's earned this. And, uh, again, I just, it's sad with me that she's not here for anybody, that anybody would get the opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame that they'd be given the opportunity to be able to enjoy that trip. Uh, you know, and sadly we see far too many that are, that are inducted posthumously. Just a little tidbit. 2015, we did interview China. It was one of the 
weirdest interviews we've ever done. So just want to throw that out there as a little bit of a tidbit if anybody's interested in going back into the archives and listening to a, a weird one. But, you know, you mentioned selling a lot of records, so to speak, you know, so, to, you know, maybe uh, being a draw, being a guy. And I just got to throw this out there as well. The honky tonk man, the man recently inducted <laughs> into the WB Hall of Fame as well. You got to love that, right? Well, again, you know, you're, this is the WWE Hall of Fame, right? This is not the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, so when you, when you look at Wayne, uh, when any of us think back to those, those early big years when the WWF, you know, started with the first WrestleMania and, you know, started that upward trajectory, uh, theirs is a company that's built, they call it sports entertainment, right? It's not professional wrestling. Uh, built around the entertainment aspect. And, you know, <laughs> the Honky Tonk Man certainly fit that bill. He was certainly part of what people tuned in to watch back then. Uh, he was not going to go out there and outwork Ricky Steamboat or outwork Jake Roberts or outwork uh, uh, Bobby Heenan or, you know, Paul Orndorff, fill in the blank. But he certainly was an entertaining part of that show. And an iconic part of the show. You know, again, any WWE fan knows who the Honky Tonk Man is. Uh, What he had done in uh, the WWE universe, WWE, WWF. Um, You know, so, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy for Wayne. And, you know, I I can't wait to hear his induction speech. I'm sure it's going to be pretty entertaining. Uh, Call me crazy. Oh, he will. Believe me, he will. Call me crazy, but I love Honky Tonk Man. I always liked him. I always considered him uh, like a big star, somebody who was important. Crowd always hated him. So, I mean, whenever he was out there, there was always a reaction from the crowd. I loved him. Yeah, and, and you know, there's, a, there's an aspect of that that is, is irrefutable. You know, it's, you know, what is it Bill Watts used to say? Thanksgiving, there you want a little bit of everything, not just the great big pile of turkey. Uh, you know, the, it's face of WWF and WWE over the years has had some incredible professional wrestlers go through there. Um, but it's also had a lot of entertainers that have gone through. And, and a lot of those entertainers made a huge impact and were uh, something that people tuned in to watch. If, if it was just all turkey and all just wrestlers, uh, then that would have been... I think made made the show a little bit more lackluster. Uh, but, you know, as we come into this WrestleMania era, you know, there's nobody listening to this podcast that doesn't know my feelings on sports entertainment and the WWE's type product. Uh, but you know, when you look and you see that WrestleMania has become on the same level as the World Series and. Uh, uh, you know, the NBA Finals and the Super Bowl, uh, it literally has become, I think, bigger than the sport, um, bigger than the WWE, bigger than professional wrestling, bigger than sports entertainment, uh, because people that don't even watch, people that have never watched, and people that may not watch as much as they used to at WrestleMania will be tuning into WrestleMania uh, because it's an event. And that event, that, that status that's been achieved by WrestleMania was not just achieved on the shoulders of the great wrestlers that had gone through WWE. It was through the wrestlers and the, and the sports entertainers and the, uh, uh, the characters. Uh, and let's face it, you go back to those early years of WWF, and you really would be hard-pressed to see how far you could get on a list before you eventually got to a honky-tonk man. Uh, you know, he was clearly in that upper echelon and clearly one of those people that could elicit a response from that audience. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of guys that were much better wrestlers that couldn't elicit a half the response that Wayne could with the honky tonk character. So in my book, in the, in the WWE, WWF, uh, sports entertainment, if that's going to be a hall of fame, I don't know how you can do it without uh, Wayne Ferris, the honky-tonk man. Clearly an impact player from those early years of the, uh, when, when 
when the company went big and when WrestleMania became a staple. This episode absolutely flew by, so it is that time again. Your favorite part of the show, AFA, Ask Franchise Anything. And this is from Jason via email. And I was kind of thinking it was Jason Powell from Wrestling.net. I know it's not, but I was just thinking that in my head that it was possibly him. But here it is. Shane, what are your thoughts now that the fact that Bruce Pritchard is back into the WWE fold with Vince McMahon as part of the creative team? Well, I, I that's the first I heard that. I didn't know he was. Oh, wow, really? Oh, you didn't know that? Wow, that's what okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it would seem to me that it, it would certainly be a step in the right direction. Um, you know, this ain't, again, taking a slap at anybody, but when you go and you watch that show uh, over the last couple of years, and, and you see you know, the storylines themselves just, just really lackluster. You know, it just seemed like there was really something lacking uh, in my book and in, in, in my taste. It, something is desperately needed back there to get back to some semblance of what it used to look like. So when you look at uh, the, the, that first big run when the WWE, WWF, uh, went big and established WrestleMania, right? You have... Uh, uh, Pat Patterson, you have Terry Garvin, uh, you have uh, uh, Jim Barnett, you have Vince McMahon. Uh, every one of those names was steeped in professional wrestling. Uh, they had come up in the business. Uh, in Pat Patterson's case, one of the you know great performers of his generation. Uh, you you know you have to know this business by having done this business. I can read. Every book that's ever been written about repairing engines, uh, motors. But if you've been somebody, if you've been a grease monkey for 40 years and turning screws, I could read every book on the planet. I'm still not going to be as good at doing that as you are. Um, you know, and, it, you know, again, with nothing to the kids that bring out but these young, you know, 20 somethings that they're bringing from the West Coast because they have sitcom experience or, you know, variety show experience. What in God's fucking name does it have to do with professional wrestling or sports entertainment? Uh, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to fix motors. I'm going to read comic books to do it. What the hell is the connection with comic books and motors? Uh, it's the same type of thing. And so Bruce Pritchard being back uh, there, I don't see how it could be a bad thing for them. Uh, you know, obviously I've been preaching for how long, but they have got to get back closer to what that company originally looked like. And, you know, Bruce was there for a long period of time, uh, worked with all those guys I had mentioned, uh, just a second ago, the Pat Patterson's and Terry Garvin's. Uh, so I'm sure he knows just a little bit more than some of those other kids. And again, that's, that's no gratuitous slap or criticism of anybody. It's just stating a fact. You gotta love that for years they could care less about creative and that, you know, obviously yeah, I guess Stephanie and Triple H are, are mainly uh, writing a lot of the shows, but obviously Vince is always head of creative no matter what, but they don't care, they don't care, they don't care. Now all of a sudden Vince wakes up, it's like, wait, I, I might need an old school guy that actually knows what he's doing so I can kind of write the <laughs> ship, right? Isn't that funny? All of a sudden he's like, oh wait, shit, uh, you know, 20 years later I might need this guy back. Yeah, and the only question I would have is why did it take this damn long? Right. So it's, I, I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that he's, excuse me, that, you know, we know that the XFL is going to be launching next year and uh, the AAF, uh, AAF has launched this year and getting pretty good reviews. Uh, so it seems to me that Vince is going to be turning his attention to that and and doing so, probably wanting to make sure he shores up the team here uh, to allow him to turn his attention to that full swing. I, I don't know. I mean, that's the stab in the dark. But, you know, again, I don't think having Bruce Pritchard back there going to be a bad thing. Hey, Shane, I got a question for you. Did you ever uh, attend a class at the Terry Garvin School of Self-Defense? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, did, I did not. I never had to, thank God. <laughs> 
that's always uh, it's one oh, of the. <laughs> no, <laughs> God, I did not. But I just thought that was always one of my favorite Easter eggs growing up when um, Gorilla Monsoon would say that about the Brooklyn Brawler, that he was a graduate of the Terry Garvin School of Self Defense. <laughs> That sounds, that sounds like something Gorilla would say, right? It's, it's uh, well, we can discuss a, a few other things once we're off the air, but uh, there's, yeah, that's that sounds like something Gorilla Monsoon would say. <laughs> and it's funny too, you know, that was a great timed AFA for that question to come in because we were going to put that on next week's agenda because that news broke uh, basically like Sunday into Monday, and then the shock of all was you watching Monday Night Raw which was coincidentally Pritchard's first night back. So we were going to work it into next week's show. So there we go. We got a nice little uh, condensed version. And like you said, you know, the now the book is open, and we will see what happens next. Hopefully uh, it is the book of love. <laughs> you know, the, uh, yeah, I, I think in, just, again, and getting what I've said throughout the course of this, this number 83, that for them to get back to some semblance of what that show used to look like. And let's face it, Brother Love was, you know, there was a period in WWF when Brother Love was a very key part of that. And, you know, because sure as hell burned the heat, uh, Bruce has always had a good head on his shoulders for the business. Um, It'll be very curious for me to watch and see is can he now get the kids there to start moving away from the spot monkey stuff and towards some, you know, better aspects of professional wrestling, of making the storyline count, making it make sense, not just a whole bunch of moves that, that have no uh, no sequence, no rhyme, no reason. Let's just go out and do a whole bunch of moves and, you know, regurgitate some inane storyline like, uh, the, the match the, the, this past Monday night, uh, without saying any names, right, to, to get the trolls going, but there was a wrestler who way oversold his leg uh, that really nothing had been done to. Uh, the best I could tell was there was two leg locks. And out of no place, <laughs> comes out, and at the end, does this great big move with necessitating both legs and afterwards is sort of walking around the ring with an ever so slight limp you'd have to really look to see but 30 seconds before that he was barely able to stand up that's what i'm talking about making sense if uh you know it's and and i I can already hear vince mance if he was in this conversation say it's but it's not supposed to be that It's, it's we're making a tv show Okay, well, make a better one. Um, you know, the, the jokes are usually put in a place to, to set up for a laugh, not just, well, there's a joke that felt like a fart, uh, turd, the proverbial turd to punch bull. Um, you know, that I, hopefully Bruce Pritchard getting back there will be able to have some impact on that. Absolutely, yeah, we will definitely see. And uh, here we go. Now we got to now I got to go back to the drawing board and figure out some new topics for next week. So, uh Hopefully something big happens over to, over the weekend, and maybe we'll uh, we'll do that. But Shane, that's going to wrap it up here for episode number eighty three. If you want to send an email question into Ask Franchise Anything, please do so by emailing us at the triple threat pod at gmail as well as send any questions along via social media, whether it's Facebook or more than likely it's going to be Twitter. We think that that's the best for the fan interaction, and you can do so by tweeting at either at the franchise SD at Two Man Power Trip, at Wrestling Pal, or at The Three Threat Pod. Use the hashtag AskFranchiseAnything if you'd like and get your questions in here to uh, get it over to the franchise, and we will definitely kind of get involved with a uh, full-blown Ask Franchise Anything episode in a couple of weeks. But um, we also want to just remind you that Shane has now officially been announced for both of the conventions we've got running here in 2019. First, April 7th. Mark out at the Meadowlands. You can go to matmcon.com for more information on that show, as well as head over to our site, tmptofwrestling.com, for all the information on TMPTCon3. Excuse me, I said tmptofwrestling.com 
where you can get all the information for TMPT Con 3, the Jim Cornette 35th anniversary with the Midnight Express, as well as Shane and Francine getting together down in Richmond for the first time ever. So if you've never seen them in, in the state of Virginia, you know why. So get to Richmond, and you will be able to uh, meet both of them in the flesh. It's going to be a great day. So it's a lot of plugs. Also head on to ProWrestlingTees.com. Get your franchise Shane Douglas official T-shirts. And, oof, man, that's a mouthful. We got a lot of stuff here. But, Shane, I'm going to hand it over to you. What do you got going on in the world? What do you got going on in the world of the franchise? The World of Franchise again this weekend off. Uh, Going to be working on some uh, some video uh, stuff for for a friend. And then uh, next week, uh, heading back out on the road and looking forward to getting back down to Virginia. And this coming this coming Friday, uh, not tomorrow, next week, I will be in Johnstown, uh, Pennsylvania, attending the Johnstown uh, uh, pro hockey team there. And Dominic and I will be there and looking forward to that. It's been a long time since I've been out there with Josh. I'm looking forward to coming there. Very nice. Yeah, you'll be, uh, when you're down here in Virginia, you won't be very far from me. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe a little triple thread uh, Wonder Twin Power could be uh, happening that weekend. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up here and we'll I mean, get, what's that? I was going to say, we've got to get the JP for down there. we got to get fly down to Norfolk, JP. Get, get, get your... Get your ass down to Norfolk. But let's wrap it up here for number 83. Head on out to a magical number, number 84. And, uh, yeah, let's get ready to uh, get this one out to the masses. Shane, why don't you close it out? The floor is yours. Number 83 is done. Under the bridge, water over the bridge, on the bridge, whichever way you want to look at it. Next week, number 84, like 1984. Little ring of George Orwell in there. Get here next week. Or get your ass franchised. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.